You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at houseofcardsradio.com. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over kings. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hi, listeners. You are listening to House of Cards. This is your host for the hour, Ashley Adams. We have a great show. We have a fascinating guest. He is the guy who has designed the World Series of Poker Bracelets, among many, many, many other pieces of high-end jewelry. We're going to talk to Steve Safa, a master artisan, about his craft and specifically about what he has done with the World Series of Poker Bracelet. And then... A great book called The Education of a Modern Poker Player. For those of you familiar with uh, poker literature, the first really popular poker book was an autobiography by a guy named Herbert Yardley called The Education of a Poker Player. This is a, an updated version about 60 years after the original came out. The author's name, the co-author's name is John Billingham, and we're going to talk to him about the book. I think it was a great book. I really enjoyed it. One of the very few books that I recommend most highly. I think you'll enjoy listening to him. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards. Well, another week in the NFL has come and gone. So how did your fantasy football team do? Did you win any cash? No? Well, don't make that mistake again. Sign up for FanDuel and win cash this weekend. I gotta tell you, what's killing me is choosing both New York teams. Both the Jets and the Giants players have killed me, so I'm going to do a New York free weekend, and I'll tell you how it turns out. Hey, one guy who did great was Matt Nichols from Ohio. He turned a $25 deposit into over twenty-five grand playing fantasy football on FanDuel. Remember, with FanDuel, there's no season-long commitment, no upfront fees. Play each week or whenever you want to. It's all up to you. The money is real, and entry fees start at just $1. FanDuel is paying out more than $10 million every single week this NFL season, but you have to play to win, so sign up today. And don't forget, FanDuel will also match you dollar for dollar on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. That's up to $200 free. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code HOC, and sign up now. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today with promo code HOC. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a pro-caliber poker table. Pro-caliber tables are made with the highest quality gaming suede on the market. And with their Table Builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now, you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a Pro Caliber Poker Table. Here's how. Use offer code H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, that's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, when you check out at ProCaliber.com or when ordering by phone at 24025-POKER. 24025 poker. That's 240-257-6537. Pro Caliber Poker Tables. Stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. Something exciting is happening in New Jersey. People are cheering in Cherry Hill and cashing in chips, pumping fists in Fort Lee, and flopping full houses. Get the thrill and play on your laptop, tablet, or mobile at BorgataPoker.com. Texas Hold'em, daily tournaments, and sit-and-goes. Real money anywhere in New Jersey. The Borgata Hotel and Casino is a name you trust, so you can be sure that BorgataPoker.com is secure. And now with a $25 deposit, you can get a $20 bonus when you sign up for Borgata Poker at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Remember, you must be 21 and physically present in New Jersey to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. 
Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyons, Dan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. You're listening to the House of Cards. How lucky you are. With Ashley Adams. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. Who the hell do you think you are? Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And uh, I want to ask you a question before I introduce our next guest. If you were to think of one person that would have something in common with every single World Series of Bracelet winner, who would it be? And uh, up until this moment, I don't think I could think of one person that would have something in common with all of them. But we have a guest who does. At least we have a guest who has something that they all want, that he's responsible for. And that is, they all want the bracelet. Uh, And we have a guy who has designed one of the most beautiful bracelets ever seen. His name is Steve Safa. He is a master artisan. He has a history of producing beautiful artistry in the form of jewelry of many different types. We're going to talk to him now. Steve, are you there? How are you, Ashley? Great to be here. Well, Tell our listeners a little bit more about you. What's your background? How is it that you became somebody who has designed uh, some of the finest jewelry in the world? Well, it, it's, uh, you know, kind of going back to um, to, uh, to early childhood. My father was an oil painter and my mother's a concert pianist. So I kind of grew up uh, uh, around a house of artists my whole life. And I fell into the love of timepieces at a very, very early age. Um, and uh, back in the super early 90s, I won't date myself, but really early 90s, uh, I started to uh, design timepieces for Fortune 100 companies. Um, and then in 1996, 97, I was commissioned by uh, distribution companies to start um, uh, creating and designing watches for Fortune 100 companies such as Apple and Oracle and so on. So that kind of springboarded me uh, into uh, into the level I am today. What is your favorite medium? My favorite medium is pastel and sketch. That That's how I started, and it's always been my favorite because I could take an idea uh, of one of my visions, and I can sketch it real quick and make it come to life even faster. Uh, when you get into in-depth oil paintings and things like that, it's very, very time-consuming. I mean, it's much, it's years sometimes. But that's how it all starts, actually, with me, is with my actual artwork. You know, I have big life-size uh, prints and art that uh, I release once a year. Uh, to collectors all over the world. And then what had happened was, is I actually um, uh, kind of springboarded myself into the bike industry, uh, and that uh, made me launch my timepieces into the bike and the hot rod industry. When you say bike, you mean motorcycle or you mean uh, regular uh, racing bicycles? Yeah, into the biker, into the biker industry, the true choppers of the world. When OC Choppers came on online, I basically uh, designed a complete collection just for lifestyle bikers in mind. Wow. So tell us how it is that you came to design the World Series of Poker Bracelet and what that process was like. Yeah, actually... I tell the story maybe once or twice in my lifetime about uh, about World Series of Poker. I actually had a store, uh, a retail store in the Rio Hotel and Casino, 
And uh, at the time, the commissioner at that time, uh, back in 07, 08, was wearing my pieces, my timepieces, my jewelry, loved bikes, he loved the lifestyle of it. And um, he was going through a transition where a new commissioner of the World Series poker coming into play uh, in uh, in 2009, and just one day he came popping into my store, and I happened to be there. I was only there a couple times a month, and he said, uh, "How would you like to um, help us design the championship?" World Series of Poker bracelets, and I I started laughing a little bit because you know my style is very outrageous, it's very edgy, it's very lifestyle, and I said I said uh, you want me to design it with my flavor and flair on it, and he said <laughs> well we could talk about it you know in the next corporate meeting, and that's kind of how we started the process. Stick around, we'll be back right after a break. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to Beezit.com. Beezit is your number one online auction source for brand-name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75 85 and 99% off retail. Go to Beezit.com and use the offer code VIP and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code VIP to get three bids for the price of one. Go to Beezit.com. B-E-E-Z-I-D.com. Beezit.com. Need to sell your house fast? We're Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses people. You've seen our big yellow billboards with our caveman Ugg, but did you know that Homevestors is America's number one home buyer? At Homevestors, we can buy your house as is, pay you cash, and usually pay most of the closing costs, and we close fast. Call today for your no obligation consultation and get out of that ugly real estate situation. If your house needs repairs, you're ready to downsize. Tired of renters and those rental property repairs, retiring, experiencing a job transfer, inherited a property, or just need to sell your house fast. Do what thousands of satisfied Homevestor customers have done. Call Homevestors today for a no-obligation consultation at 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. We'll close fast and pay cash. So what are you waiting for? Call Homevestors today. 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. Some houses are born bad. You're listening to the House of Cards. I never dreamed that any mere physical experience could be so stimulating. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. We are talking to Steve Safa, a master artisan. So, okay, so that started with a conversation, kind of an idea that you chuckled at. But how did uh, the rubber really hit the road? Well, and that was super interesting, too, because as he was leaving my store, I I just kind of smirked a little bit of it. And I I said, okay, I'm going to go to the meeting because I had resigned myself from corporate America basically in in, uh, 2002 to create my own branded lifestyle, my own art, my own timepieces and jewelry. And uh, he said, well, we have a meeting uh, we have we have a meeting at Harris and with the marketing people, et cetera, et cetera, and we'd like you to come up and be part of it and, and, and get your input. So I said, okay. So I went up to the meeting. This is why I chuckle, because it is actually very fun. And brought out all the marketing managers and the directors, and they handed me some paper, and they said, well, this is um, – this is how much gold and how much the cost was and so on and so forth of the last uh, designer of the World Series of Poker with the bracelets. And I, I actually took paper, I crinkled it up in my hand, and I threw it over my shoulder. <laughs> this, is, this is the truth. And I said to him, I said, do you want to commission me to design your bracelets or do you want to worry about how much weight of gold and how much it's going to cost? And that's how the meeting starts. <laughs> and they said, you're the guy for us? <laughs> well, no, not yet. 
that, it got better. Actually, it gets even better. And there's a reason why I don't tell the story too, too much, because some people can take it the wrong way, but it's very funny how this whole thing came about. So they said, uh, okay, well, we're listening. And uh, so one of the directors says, well, we really want something with a great flair that appeals to the uh, first style of generation that was in the poker. We also want it to appeal to the young generation, the moderate. We don't want to go too over the top, but we really want it nice and classy. And I looked at them all and I said, is there anything else that you would like me to do? Because that gives me absolutely almost no direction on how to design this bracelet. Okay. So uh, they said, well, this is, this is what we've had in the past and so on and so forth. So I said, well, let me ask you guys a question. On all your bracelets, you've always branded World Series, and then the word poker is in the middle of the bracelet. I said, if I go to the dictionary, I could look up the word poker anywhere. I said, why are you guys branding the word poker? And I looked at all of them, and I said, when you look at a billboard, you see NFL, MLB, NHL, then the next thing should be WSOP. And they all looked at me, and, they, and the, the head, the commissioner said, I love that. Let's go with WSOP in the middle of the bracelet. And I looked at all of them, and I said, do you guys get paid actually to sit in the boardroom? And you didn't think of putting WSOP <laughs> on the middle of the bracelet? And we all had a laugh about it. I mean, it was, it, it was all in jest. It was all in a lot of fun. And that's really uh, how it be- So in the middle of WSOP. And then from there, uh, I had said to him, I said, you don't have a ladies' bracelet. I said, I want to be the first designer to ever produce a ladies' bracelet. And that's what I did. I, t- I-, I produced a beautiful solid gold bracelet for the ladies' tournament uh, in um, pink sapphires and black diamonds. And it's become a staple now there uh, for uh, other uh, artists and designers to do after me to, to produce ladies' bracelets as well. So were your what this was 2010 that you did the bracelets? Yeah, 2010 I did um 70 uh 74 bracelets and the championship bracelet. So the 74 bracelets and the championship bracelets with the exception of the ladies bracelets were the 74 bracelets all identical? The the horse bracelet was different for for the uh, for the horse tournament. Um and then all the other bracelets throughout the tournament, besides the horse and the ladies and the championship, they were all identical um, uh, for for specific tournament winners throughout uh, each, gotcha. each tournament day. Gotcha. Now, when you were done with that, were you thinking, hey, you know, I'd love to come back and do this uh, years in the future? Or did you think, boy, 72, I, I'm done. I did my thing. Now I'm known for that year, but now I'm moving on back to watches and bikers and uh, tiaras or whatever else you might want to take on in the future. Well, it's interesting you say that because we actually had, um, I actually helped redesign their uh, set, WSOP set, uh, with, um, they, all they did is they had a set before, um but they really weren't recognizing each individual winner. So I actually stepped in and I redesigned their set. So if at one tournament bracelet, a photographer would come take a picture of you and he would put your picture in the light box where the bracelet uh, had been housed. Because, as you know, after every tournament, they take a out of one of those housing boxes so it sits empty. So I designed it as miniature light boxes to uh, memorialize that winner every year. And I also had a booth, huge booth set up there for people to come, you know, see all my timepieces and all my jewelry. And after uh, you won a tournament, each winner, they actually came to me uh, and I did on-site engraving with their name, right there on the bracelet to, to really make it a true collectible. It was a tremendous amount of work, a tremendous amount of time. And to answer your question, I, at the end of that whole thing, no, did I do it again? No, I didn't have the desire to hop back into corporate America again. All right. Well, then I have a personal question for you. My producers of this radio show think the world of me, and they have bucket loads of money. 
and they have they haven't said this to me publicly, but I know that they would like to get me an appropriate watch uh, designed personally for me, saying House of Cards or some appropriate acronym or initials uh, at the highest end. They are they are really interested in doing this. If they were to commission you to produce such a wonderful piece, uh, a timepiece. What range of prices are we talking about? Uh, just out of curiosity. First of all, do you do stuff like that? Yeah, actually, that is that's one of my um, largest divisions is to creating one one of a kind timepieces and jewelries for guys with specific lifestyles. Right. Um, I, as 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 you know, I'm one of the featured designers at Barrett Jackson Auto Auction. So I have a lot of collectors. They bring me pictures and photographs of their hot rods and cars, and I reproduce it all in stones and diamonds. And typically, something like that at that level, um, you know, starts off at around five thousand dollars, kind of as a base. And then we work our way up from there with your diamonds and your precious stones and your serialization and the type of packaging that you want right. um, to suit you. But it's truly when a you actually, uh, before we go to production, you get a virtual sample online so you can see what the creation is. And you're part of the process. I actually make you part of that process. And then once I'm finished, you get the tooling so it can never be reproduced again. Well, that's the kind of gift that I'm looking forward to. And I'm going to make sure that they contact you off air because the revenue that our show has produced, uh, I know they're looking to put it into um, showing me how much they appreciate me. And uh, you're the guy they need to talk to. Well, absolutely, yeah. All they have to do is go to stevesafa.com. Yep. And we actually made a special URL, uh, which is stevesafa.com forward slash WSOP for people that are interested in seeing the championship bracelet that I, uh, that I designed for uh, 2010. stevesafa.com. Steve, you're a wonderful guest. And, and all kidding aside, I mean, I, I don't actually expect them to get me a beautiful uh, but we do have many listeners who are affluent and who take poker very seriously. Have you been commissioned to do any poker art by way of uh, jewelry or, for all I know, watercolors or pastels or things like that? Um, t- from private collectors, I get commissioned uh, throughout the year. Uh, my schedule books out anywhere from six months to 16 months. Um, but I've done tremendous work for a lot of uh, poker enthusiasts and um, professional poker players. Obviously, as you know, the, you know the players that wear my watch. Joe Cato was wearing the King watch when um, uh, when he won uh, the WSOP, and uh, Jonathan in 2010. Ducamel, uh, Jonathan uh, Ducamel, yes, from Canada. Yeah, and uh, Antonio was wearing the King, uh, the Diamond King uh, timepiece when he won the World Poker Tournament, um, and uh, Todd Brunson. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that uh, that commission me to create pieces and beautiful designs, and uh, I'm always up for the challenge and and uh, and making things that uh, suit one's lifestyle. Well, Steve, we've appreciated you being a guest for listeners who have just recently tuned in. If you're interested in any of the beautiful artwork that Steve has done, both for the World Series and in many other ways, uh, Steve Safa, S-T-E-V-E-S-O-F-F-A dot com. Thank you for joining us, Steve. Ashley, it was my pleasure anytime. Great stories. Take care. Uh, Listeners, we'll be back right after a quick break. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. 
Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code BABE16 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code BABE16. That's B-A-B-E-16 at adamandeve.com. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a pro-caliber poker table. Pro-caliber tables are made with high-quality gaming suede and suited speed cloths. And with their Table Builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a pro-caliber poker table. Here's how. Use offer code HOCRADIO when you check out at ProCaliberPoker.com or when ordering by phone at 240-25-POKER. That's 240-257-6537. Remember, to get your free gift when ordering your poker table, use offer code HOCRADIO. That's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O. Order by phone at 240-257-6537 or online at ProCaliberPoker.com. ProCaliber Poker Tables. Stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of September 15th, 2014. Well, here's a switch. It looks like a casino giant is coming back to Atlantic City. The New Jersey Casino Control Commission has given MGM Resorts approval to re-enter the Atlantic City market. The commission also allowed MGM to reclaim its 50% ownership in the Borgata Casino. MGM is re-entering the market when three casinos are shutting their doors and in a week where the Trump Taj Mahal filed for bankruptcy. One casino that's doing great over the past couple weeks is the Horseshoe Casino in Baltimore. It's doing so good it's helping Maryland break records. For the first time in history, gaming revenues in the state exceeded $80 million. In fact, in its first six days, the Horseshoe brought in more money than most of the casinos in Maryland did in the entire month. And finally, what's going on in Alabama? For the fourth time in four months, a player has won more than $1 million dollars. The players were all at the same casino, and three of them were playing the same game. The casino is the Wind Creek Casino, and the game was the Rocket Gaming Systems Pantheon Gold Stepper Game. Finally, a reason to go to Alabama. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. You're listening to the House of Cards. That's a problem when you've written a book about the game. Everybody knows what you're thinking. Or do they? Make it a thousand. Did you even look at your hand? Well, I didn't have to because I saw you look at yours. I'm a fold. Very smart. That's one free lesson. The next one's going to cost you. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but 
I am an avid reader of poker books. I get many books mailed to our studios, emailed to us. And, uh, in fact, in the last few years alone, there were over 1,000 poker books written. Uh, but what I, I'd like to do, rather than just put all the books out there and talk about them as if they're all the same, is I'd like to select a few books that I think are significant and interview the authors. Uh, you've heard probably our interviews with Doug Hull and Ed Miller. They've written some great books. And now comes along another book that I think is in the same category. Its name is The Education of a Modern Poker Player. There are three authors, John Billingham, Emmanuel Chinka, and Thomas Tirok. The book is tremendous. I've read it. It's easy to read. It's commonsensical. It has a lot of hand examples, and I think it will really improve your game if you get it. Now we're going to talk to one of the co-authors. His name is John Billingham. John, are you there? I am, yes. Hi. Hi. And in case you couldn't tell by my introduction, I was really impressed with your book. I put it on the same level as uh, Doug Hull's book and Ed Miller's recent book, uh, Playing the Player. And well, that's very high praise. Thanks very much. Well, I think it deserves it. It's a it's an interesting journey. I, I hope that you can tell our listeners how you came to write this book and who you think will benefit and what the book does. Well, how did I come to write this book? Well, I, I only actually learned the rules of poker about, I guess it's four years ago now, but um, I've always been interested in card games and uh, and all sorts of games. Um, so I started playing quite avidly, and I, I started writing a blog on, on PokerStrategy.com, which became quite popular, and I, I got to meet a lot of uh, very good poker players, much better than me. I mean, I soon realized what a fish I was at the time. And since I enjoyed writing, and since I had all these contacts with these good poker players, I thought, well, why not, why not write a book? Why not write a book about these poker players coaching me and see if I can, they can help me to improve and see whether I can write something that would help other people to improve as well, because I love to write. That's good. So you started out uh, as a blogger writing about poker strategy, but not really being a very good player yourself, as you well, found I, Well, out. I have to say, in my blog didn't... It, it, wasn't so much about poker strategy as a total brain dump of the first thing that came into my head on that particular day. But people seem to enjoy reading my writing. I see. Um, and there was some poker in it as well. But I, I got more serious after I started started working on the book project. Well, what I found compelling about the book is that you start without any pretense exposing your own mistakes to the critique of your betters and then seeing how your move, which, you know, frankly, a lot of what you do, I think a lot of our listeners and myself would often do. Can you well, give yeah, us, give I mean, us a couple of examples, if you could? To everybody, right? And it certainly didn't come naturally to me, and probably still doesn't come naturally to me, but, um, you know, with work, you can improve, that's for sure. Can you give us an example or two of the type of mistakes you may have been making early on that are exposed? Because you use actual hands sure. that you played, and then what you learned and how that helped your game. Well, when I started playing, I, I, I mean, a lot of people make the mistake of being very passive, but I, I tended to make the mistake of being far too aggressive. So I was doing lots of three-betting with the wrong sorts of hands, um, three-betting with hands I should have been calling with, calling with hands I should have been folding, just generally playing too many hands and, and, and playing them really far too aggressively. So I, I, a lot of the journey of the book is me learning how to rein that in a little bit. I think I seem to recall that, at the very beginning of the book, you focused on the fact that really there are two reasons to bet, either a value bet or a bluff. And it's important, especially when you're learning, to be thinking about why you're doing what you're doing. And until you can think about it, you really shouldn't be making a poker move at the table. You should first consider why you're betting. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and one of the mistakes I used to make was uh, was betting with hands that were never going to get called by worse and were never going to uh, never going to fold out better. So basically, my medium strength hands. And I, I've tried to illustrate that with some simple simple model poker games. I, I, I'm a mathematician, so it, uh, I, I kind of like to simplify things and try to analyse them mathematically. And I think there's a lot you can learn from looking at toy toy poker games. Uh, so I, I started the book with the ace-king-queen game, which is a very simple game with just three cards, but it illustrates pretty much all the all the concepts of why you would want to bet and, and, and when to bet. And then tr we try to apply that to, uh, to to real poker. Can you 
go into a little more detail. I remember the ace-king-queen game. I think you could explain it and show the lesson that players need to take from it without taking too much time. I think you could probably do that on the air. So why don't you do that? Okay, so the, in the ace-king-queen game, there, there are just three cards in the deck, the ace, the king, and the queen, the ace being the best card. Uh, there are two players. Uh, both players put a dollar into the pot, or a pound if you're in the UK like I am. You put your pound into the pot. The first player is forced to check, and then the second player can decide either to check behind or to bet a dollar, or to play at fixed limit. And then the first player can decide to either call or fold. So the key decisions in this game are what does the person who acts first do with the queen? Does he, does he bluff or does he just give up? He's always going to value better than ace. And what does the, the player who has to decide to call do with the king? Does he call to catch a bluff or does he decide that the other guy's probably got an ace and he has to fold? Um, those are the decisions you have to make. But the key thing about this, what, what you can think about with the second player is what does he do with the king? Right. So the first player has to check. The second player's dealt a king. Should he bet it? And if you think about what the other never. guys have... Never. You would never bet your king. And he's going to fold his queen, so you should never bet the king right. in that position. And that's the kind of mistake that I was making when I started. I was effectively betting my kings when I was never going to get a queen to call or an ace to fold. Right. That's a very useful that lesson. That made sense. That's a bit quick. <laughs> that's right. I mean, um, we're, we're often faced with that situation. Your hand is pretty good. We've been trained to think in terms of hand rank and that you bet hands that are pretty good and you raise with great hands. But really, that's a mistaken concept. You should bet either for value or as a bluff, and the only reason to make a value bet is if you think somebody will call it. The only reason to make a bluffing bet is if you think it will make a better hand fold. Indeed. Uh, I think that's a very useful lesson. So as you got instruction from these guys, how did it affect your play, and how did it make you better? And in, can you give us some examples of that? Um, well, I think what what um, Thomas told me at the start was is that is that the key thing to do when you're starting out in poker is after you've done a little bit of learning, the the key thing is to get experience. So he he wanted me to play. He he basically wanted me to play twenty thousand hands a month online, which is. <laughs> If you're playing, if you're playing rush or zoom poker, which is what I ended up playing, maybe 25 hours a month, and that, that that's the thing that I found most difficult. I mean, I have a full-time job, I have a family. It's very difficult for me to play 25 hours a month, but I, I just about managed it. And I think he's right. I think what you realise after you play a lot of hands is you see the same situations coming up over and over again, and with a bit of coaching, which is explained, which we detail in the book, you start to you start to learn what to do in these situations. And what, what I started to find after playing a, a lot of this fast-fold poker was that getting sort of seven, seven to 800 hands an hour, you, you probably ended up with just two or three hands where you had to make a really tough decision. And those are the hands that you have to go back, at, back through afterwards, in my case with a coach, but if you haven't got a coach with, with your poker friends, other poker players that you know, and try and work out what you should have done. So well, I, think, I think the key thing was getting lots of experience. Well, I want to go back to your journey, but I want to take a quick detour. A lot of our listeners, in fact, I dare say nearly all of our listeners, at least in the United States, don't even know what rush poker is anymore sure. because that was an innovation in the latter days of uh, Full Tilt that a well, lot they, of people they would, they would have been able to play rush poker before, the, before Black Friday. They were, but I think but it was I only agree, in yeah. the end phase, and a lot of players had already stopped playing when they – uh, were unable to play on some of their other favorite sites that stopped operating in the U.S. Right, but okay. What would you say to a player in the United States who can't play uh, in a multi-table and can't play online and only has the opportunity to play poker when he or she goes down to the uh, neighborhood poker room, either a huge poker room or maybe a small room and play there? How... How can they ever get the chops that uh, you've gotten by playing so many hands on them? Well, in terms of getting experience, it's very, very tough. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you're playing 25 to 30 hands an hour, it's going to take a long time to build up a lot of experience. However, one thing you can do if you read our book is you can take advantage of all the mistakes I made and all, all the experience I gained during this period of coaching I received. Um, 
I, I also think that playing live is, is, is the, the basic principles of poker remain the same, whether you're playing live, whether you're playing online, whether you're playing six max, nine max, heads up. And even if you're not playing no limit, hold them. One thing that I, I did while, um, I mean, I, I had all my bankroll on full tilts when, when full tilt went down, so I effectively became broke as far as online poker was concerned. And what I decided to do was to learn a new game, and I, I, I learned how to play uh, five-card draw, and there's a section on five-card draw in the book as well. And what you realize when you play a game that's a lot simpler than No Limit Hold'em is that even though it's simpler, the principles are the same. And the more different variants of poker that you play, I think the more it... it, it kind of boosts your, your poker now, your poker intelligence. So I, I would advise people to try lots of different games, try, try mixed games, play some PLO, uh, play some seven-card stud, and you'll realize that the principles are the same with whatever game you're playing. How did you learn how to play five-card draw? What were the steps you went through, and where do you play it? Uh, well, I used to play five-card. I don't play it so much anymore, but I used to play it on PokerStars online. Um, I, I learned it from a, a series of videos that appeared on, on PokerStrategy.com a couple of uh, a couple of years ago. Um, but I've tried to condense all the things that I learned over my time playing five-card draw into the appropriate section in the book, which is kind of the middle part. Um, Do you play it at all now anywhere? Um, I could play it on PokerStars, but to be honest with you, now that the book project is finished and the book is written... And I've played all those thousands and thousands of hands. What I've realized is that it's so incredibly difficult to pack that amount of poker into my life at the moment with my family uh, and having a full-time job. To be honest, I'm not playing a great deal at the moment. In fact, I, I, I quite like to go and play live occasionally. I, li I live near uh, the Dusk Till Dawn Poker Club in Nottingham, so I, I like to go and play there, and I occasionally play a couple of hours in the evening. Uh, but at the moment, I'm having, taking a bit of a break from the whole thing. It, it was an exhausting couple of years trying to, trying, to, trying to put all this together. I can imagine it would be. Is this the first time you've written a book, John, or have you written it for your other job, your other life? I've, I've written two, two textbooks before. And are you, uh, I think, seem to recall you're a mathematician. Is that right? I am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a maths professor. So I've, uh, we call it maths in the UK, not math. But, uh, yeah, I'm a maths professor, so I've written a couple of textbooks as well. Well, excuse me for my bold question, but you said that it's hard for you to play 25 hours a month of poker with the schedule of a professor? How can uh, that yeah. be? That's less than eight hours a week. Uh, well, yeah, but I, I, I get a two-hour window in the evening when the kids have gone to bed. I've come home from work. Everything gets quiet. So that, that's taking four, four of my evenings a week. <laughs> my, my, my wife is getting no attention. Um, I try to do some other things in the evenings as well. So that's about the, uh, the stretch of what I can manage if I play it as hard as I can. Two hours, but there are 30 days in a month, so two hours a day should be 60 hours a month, no? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I couldn't play every day. If you, if, you, if you lived in my house, you'd know why I couldn't play two hours a night every day. <laughs> How many kids do you have, John? I've got three. Ah, well, there's the answer right there. Cause one they they range one... from 7 to 18. Right. I know from when my... I started this project, it was 5 to 16, so they're even worse. <laughs> and have you ever played in the United States? No, no, I haven't, um, I, I haven't been to the States since I learned how to play poker. Interesting, the only, the only place abroad where I've played poker is Mauritius, which is rather nice. Mauritius? Yeah, well, see, that's right. At the University of Mauritius, and I, I spent an evening at the, poker, the, wow. uh, the casino last time I was there, and that was, that was enjoyable. Well, Brits travel to so many different places that we in the United States rarely even think about traveling. <laughs> I remember seeing signs in the airport for Ryanair, and... There were all these places I'd never even heard of, you know, places in Arabia, places in Asia that you guys fly to all the time. Where is Mauritius? Mauritius is in the Indian Ocean off the east of uh, east coast of India. And they spread regular no-limit hold'em there? Yep, they do, yep, yep. Wow. Such and a they deal. play very badly in French. <laughs> well, do you, do you have a home game? Have you ever played just with buddies? I'd love to, but um, poker is there's not the same culture of playing poker with your buddies in uh, in the UK. It's just uh, I, I would absolutely love to have a home game, but uh, none of my friends play poker. Well, you've got to look up those famous poker writers from your neck of the woods. Uh, what's that guy's name who uh, wrote Big Deal? Tony Holden. Doesn't he have a game? <laughs> Tony Holden. 
you think I should get into Tony Holden's home game? Yeah, absolutely. Or is it too big stakes? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're not at the rarefied air of buying in for a thousand quid uh, and playing those kind of home games. Because I remember the great thing about his games was that they had all these weird different games that you'd have to figure out. There was not like the automatic strategy of Hold'em or even Omaha or Pineapple or Stud. Um, do you know him? Have you ever no, met him? So, so are you saying you've played in Tony Holden's home game? I haven't, but I've read about it. I've, ah, okay. I've met Tony. I've played with Tony. He and I have played in press tournaments uh, at the World Series of Poker. They have a press tournament, and he and I played and talked and uh, have corresponded. But do you do you know him? Do you know no, any? No, no, no. I, I, oh, my my poker experience is, is online and the odd live game. I see. Well, you know. We'd love to have you come over here. I would love to meet you in Las Vegas or in Connecticut, where I play a lot I'd of my I'd love to poker. go to Las Vegas one day. I think that's got to be an ambition for any poker player, <laughs> to at least play, play the, a little bit in Las Vegas. Um, well, John, yeah, one maybe, day, maybe one when day. your kids are older and you can leave them at home with their mom without feeling guilty, you can fly yeah. over, spend a couple of weeks. I'd be happy to show you around, corrupt you, show uh, you what live oh, poker is. I think I'm fully corrupted already. <laughs> I shouldn't worry about that. Well, listeners, we've been talking to John Billingham. He is the co-author of The Education of a Modern Poker Player. It's a great read. It's instructive. You get to see his ability unfold and develop as he is coached by his co-authors, Emmanuel Chinka and Thomas Turok. Uh, anything you want to add, John? Oh, how do people get a hold of your book if they want it? Oh, all good bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can get it directly from uh, the publishers, D&B. There's a Kindle version and a paperback version. Do you have a narrated version yet where somebody actually uh, books on tape or something? No, like I've, I've toyed with the idea of that, but it's a bit tricky since we really need three voices. I think if it was just me, I'd be happy to narrate it. I, 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 I like writing. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to speak as well, but it could be a bit tricky when I have to do three different voices. Oh, you know, John, actually... Um, most books on tape, I'm thinking of um, Mystery Writer, the books that I've listened to that have anywhere from three to 20 characters, it's usually done by one voice who just slightly changes his intonation uh, and perhaps his cadence for the different characters. It's eminently doable by one voice, and if, uh, if you felt you weren't up to it, I'd be happy to do it for a very slight fee. <laughs> no, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be me. That's for sure. Okay, fair enough. Maybe over the next year or so. Well, maybe I will get an audio book of the education of a... By the way, did you did you read Herbert Yardley's Education of a Poker Player? Oh, of course I did. Yeah, it's a great book. Well, I think we have to give some mention to it since your title is derivative from that great tome. For those yeah. who don't know, Herbert Yardley was a spy. He worked for the predecessor organization of the OSS and the CIA and was stationed in Europe and uh, was from the United States originally, learned how to play poker from an older statesman named Monty, uh, who taught him what he knew, and then he wrote a book about it, which was really the first popularized poker book in the world. Of course, there were many poker books before his, but his was the first that really was mass-distributed. It was a bestseller, uh, Education of a well, Poker Player. it's a book. I mean, it's, a, it's an autobiography as much as it is a, right. a, a poker textbook, and that, that's, that's why we wanted to do a twist on it, because... Really, he he uses he he has a very interesting life story and and, and fits in a little bit of co poker coaching. Whereas our book, roughly speaking, it's really all about me, right, and my poker journey. But of course, all the interest, all the good stuff is written by my co-authors who know what they're talking about. So it's just a framework on which to hang uh, hang the coaching. Yes, and well but hung there is it a is parallel, for sure. I, not to be too perverse, but it's a very well hung book. I must say. <laughs> And it's not even about stud. How about that? But in any in any of I thought it was the Brits who did innuendos, not the not the U Americans. But that's well, some of us do. Some of us use puns and innuendos and double entendres, though we don't. You know, we don't. We're not as flashy about it, perhaps. Well, if I do ever send you a copy of the audio book, I'll send you a box set of all the Carry On films as well. You buy them. Great, I would indeed. Well, thank you, John, for joining us, and uh, I look forward to the success of your book. Okay, thanks very much. Take care. Listeners, that was John Billingham. He is the author of The Education of Mo a Modern Poker Player, available at bookstores and on Amazon.com. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, 
Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards. Well, another week in the NFL has come and gone. So how did your fantasy football team do? Did you win any cash? No? Well, don't make that mistake again. Sign up for FanDuel and win cash this weekend. I gotta tell you, what's killing me is choosing both New York teams. Both the Jets and the Giants players have killed me, so I'm going to do a New York free weekend, and I'll tell you how it turns out. Hey, one guy who did great was Matt Nichols from Ohio. He turned a $25 deposit into over twenty-five grand playing fantasy football on FanDuel. Remember, with FanDuel, there's no season-long commitment, no upfront fees. Play each week or whenever you want to. It's all up to you. The money is real, and entry fees start at just $1. FanDuel is paying out more than $10 million every single week this NFL season, but you have to play to win, so sign up today. And don't forget, FanDuel will also match you dollar for dollar on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. That's up to $200 free. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code HOC, and sign up now. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com. Sign up today with promo code H-O-C. Something exciting is happening in New Jersey. People are cheering in Cherry Hill and cashing in chips, pumping fists in Fort Lee and flopping full houses. Get the thrill and play on your laptop, tablet, or mobile at BorgataPoker.com. Texas Hold'em, deli tournaments, and sit-and-goes. Real money anywhere in New Jersey. The Borgata Hotel and Casino is a name you can trust so you can be sure that BorgataPoker.com is secure. And now with a $25 deposit, you can get a $20 bonus when you sign up for Borgata Poker at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Remember, you must be at least 21 and physically present in New Jersey to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyons, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to BZ.com. BZ is your number one online auction source for brand-name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75 85 and 99% off retail. Go to BZ.com and use the offer code VIP and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code VIP to get three bids for the price of one. Go to BZ.com. B-E-E-Z-I-D.com. BZ.com. Previously on House of Cards. They were very rude, and um, they kicked me out. Really? They kicked me out of... About a minute and a half later, two very large guys came up behind me as I was seated, and they said, Sir, you'll have to come with us. You've been asked to leave. House of Cards has secretly obtained the audio from this Las Vegas poker room. Here's the poker room manager's instructions to his staff upon seeing Ashley. I see you. I see you. You hit that in the face really f***ing hard. Sorry, man. House of Cards, spreading love wherever we go. Very nice intro. Thank you, Doug. Uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, this is Ashley Adams. Welcome back to House of Cards. And this is my favorite segment, not to be disrespectful of the other segments that I enjoy, but I love the mailbag. Dave always gets interesting questions and springs them on me unaware. So go to it, brother. Our uh, first question actually comes from our Facebook page. Don't ask me what the address is or anything like that. Just go to houseofcardsradio.com and click on Facebook, and you can post right. questions there. Too. It's cool. I hope you get some more pictures up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll put some more pictures. I think we uh, put the ones when you were at the uh, World Series. Okay. I think uh, my friend Andre Joseph has one uh, standing next to me smiling. Both of us are smiling, which is uh, was not indicative of my mood through was most it, of that Was that trip. before you played? Or? That was before. <laughs> All right, well, what's up? Michael via Facebook wants to know, 
what do you feel the difference is between those players who play to make their living at poker as a boring job versus those who play because of the thrill of it? Well, if you're a player who wants to make a living at it, you want to have people in the game who are there for the thrill of it. And so interestingly, if you are really serious about making money at poker, you are best to affect the attitude at the table of not caring at all so that you won't scare away those who are there to have fun, which is, to me, an ironic lesson that more people should learn because too many players who think they're going to earn their living at it. They're not. They're usually not really skilled. They don't have the disposition, but they think that they're really going to become professional poker players. Um, feel the need to behave in a way that is antithetical to what they really want to do. They don't behave in a friendly, smiling, I'm just here to have fun, let's have a good time way. <laughs> they like to berate their opponents, insult them, and frankly, if I were an amateur kind of confused about the game and thinking I'm just going to have fun, like uh, shooting crap or playing blackjack, and somebody behaved in the way that a lot of these quote-unquote skilled players behave, I'd say, screw you guys, I'm out of here, I'll go do something that's fun. So, the really, the, and you can read any of the books by Mike Caro or similarly gifted writers about poker, they'll tell you the same thing. Best is to have a happy-go-lucky, I'm having a good time attitude, and not to let people in on the fact that you're really there just to make money. The guys who play poker for a living, do you see that they bet more aggressively than the players who are just in it for the thrill of it, or uh, or do you see you well, can't really sure. tell? I mean, well, I can tell if I if there's a player who knows what he's doing uh, and does it well, or she knows what she's doing and does it well. Uh, generally speaking, at a typical one-two no limit game, you don't have people that are full-time professionals. You may have people that are semi-professionals making some of their living, but when you move up, it tends to be. Uh, players that are more selective and more aggressive, uh, that are paying attention as opposed to being distracted. I've written a lot of articles on how to tell if a table is good. It's a table that doesn't have the type of player that is that looks like they are very serious about the game. But in fact, some of the very best players blend in so well that the typical player would not recognize them as the pro. They would think that some of the more somber, serious, sunglassed, uh, behatted, earphoned guys were the pros, while in fact they're the wannabes, and they don't really have what it takes to be a pro, which generally is an affect that attracts people to the game. So it's a, it's a very interesting question because uh, sometimes appearances are deceptive. So do you think a guy like Phil Helmuth, is he out of the normal for a professional poker player? I mean, he seems to be acting out more at the table. Well, there's a whole separate category. Now, if, if you didn't know he was Phil Helmuth, would you think he was a professional poker player? Well, I don't know, because I do know he's Phil Helmuth. So oh, okay. if, I mean, if he, somebody looked different with a different name but behaved the way he did, I would assume that they were not a pro uh, because of the tantrums and the lack of emotional control, but I would be wrong because his play is clearly superior to that of 99.9% .9 of the people who play. Um and I was just going to say that there's a separate category of professional. There's the cash game professional that is anonymous and makes his money by attracting people. And then there is the name pro, the tournament pro, who is very clearly known and identified because he's a celebrity. And that's a whole separate category because a celebrity poker player, um, somebody who's seen on TV regularly, can make money in other ways, can make money because people uh, are going to be intimidated by his betting or will want to stick around in the game because he's a celebrity. He doesn't have to be seductive with his style of play or his affect because he, as a celebrity... People want to play just like if Mickey Mantle, when he was alive, or better yet, if Willie Mays is playing. If it turns out that Willie Mays is a great professional player, everybody's going to want to play with him anyway because it's Willie Mays, right? <laughs> or I'm dating myself, uh, Derek Jeter. Um, similarly, even if it is a professional, if it's Phil Hellmuth or any of a number of you know the top 500 televised professionals, I'm going to want to play in his game because it's cool to be playing with him, even if I'm. Uh, unloading my bankroll into his pocket. Okay, um, listen, folks, please come back next week, listen to House of Cards, and good night and good luck.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.